What's up? This is Dominique Bomonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. So I have been wrestling with this idea of spiritual manipulation. And it set in for me when, um, well, I can't tell you what it set in for me because then I'll be telling all my business. But I believe that Satan leveled an attack. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be, I'm going to be sensitive to the fact that I don't really know the outcome. But I had a situation in my life that revealed to me that I might be under a spiritual attack centered in manipulation. And the Holy Spirit, wisdom, prayer, helped to reveal to me specifically an area in my life that I was most vulnerable. Now, when we're talking, when we're having a discussion about manipulation of any kind, it centers around vulnerability. The work of manipulation is also the work of a marketer, a car salesman, a skincare company. The objective is to identify an area of vulnerability and to leverage that vulnerability to get you to invest in something that you believe or that you are made to believe that you need, right? So whether it's a commercial or a cunning car salesman or a test, you know, perfume or a sample of lotion. The idea is your vulnerability attached to your need will somehow equate to your investment in a product. So Manipulation in general can be healthy when it meets a need. Let me just kind of outline according to uh, an organization called Pleasant Mind, how they identify or how they define emotional manipulation. Emotional manipulation is the use of different tactics to establish power and control over another person. Emotional manipulation is often the precursor to emotional abuse. I think that's important. We're not talking about manipulation as being the same thing as abuse because we just outlined that there is the potential that manipulation is not bad if it meets a need, if it results in a need being met. Pleasant Mind said that manipulation or emotional manipulation is the precursor to emotional abuse. 
Manipulators often engage in various tactics to make the victim comply with their wishes or their ideas. They go on to list several tactics of emotional manipulation. And I'll tell you what those tactics are and how I define them. One, passive aggressiveness. That is the indirect expression of an emotion, right? So I'm mad, so I indirectly communicate my anger to you. That's a tactic of emotional manipulation. Emotional bullying. It could be trying to expose you in front of other people, trying to humiliate you in the company of people that might respect or honor or care for you. Gaslighting. The work of changing a person's idea of reality, using guilt. So trying to make someone feel guilt as a tactic to manipulate them. So if I manipulate you into believing that you're responsible for something that I'm making you feel guilty about, then I can get you to do something as a result of that guilt. Moving the goalpost. So, picking on a person for multiple reasons or, you know, giving the impression that a win is not a win. Redefining what a victory is as a means for manipulation. Love bombing showering a person with compliments and adoration in the beginning to overcompensate or to give the person the impression that you recognize something about them that perhaps other people have ignored. Love bombing. Foot in the door. That is big request after a small request, right? So small requests, simple things that edge the door open slowly or door in the foot, the small request after you've made a big request. And then people are using as a tactic for emotional manipulation, the silent treatment withholding communication from people as a means to manipulate them. So all these are tactics of emotional manipulation. And I read this and I started to think about a few other things that perhaps happen in spiritual environments that aren't on this list, but that I want to bring to the surface. One of the largest or the biggest challenges where manipulation is concerned is the
misunderstanding or the misappropriation of spiritual authority. That could manifest as someone giving away the impression that they have more spiritual authority or that they have some spiritual authority and they don't have any at all. Um, and the idea of being a spiritual authority, using that to get people to do things that you need them to do. An example of that might be, I am posing as a prophet or a seer or a person who hears from God directly. And I manipulate you by appealing to your vulnerability. Maybe you need some money. Maybe you're, uh, you're sick and you're in need of healing. I use what you believe to be my spiritual authority to make an empty promise to you that results in you doing what I need you to do even if the need that you have is not met. So one of the ways that Satan is essentially having his way in the spiritual realm is that people, particularly those who are weak in the faith, are mishandled and misguided by false spiritual authority that leads them to do and say things that perhaps bring pleasure and provision to somebody, but not to them. And what the Lord has really been dealing with me about is unveiling or uncovering this very prevalent spirit of false authority that leads to spiritual manipulation. I'm going to give you three tips just three. I'm going to give you three tips for navigating manipulation and not becoming a victim of spiritual manipulation as a result of uncovering false spiritual authority. Right? So... What I'm suggesting is that people are manipulated into doing things as a result of false spiritual authority that needs to be uncovered. So those who are vulnerable are not overtaken by people with poor intentions. 
Okay. Number one, you cannot confuse spiritual authority with influence, wealth, or power. You cannot confuse spiritual authority with influence, wealth, and power. Disconnect spiritual authority from provision. Well, they said that the reason why they have wealth is because they sowed or made sacrificial offerings with minimal resources and that I should do the same thing because I'm looking at the wealth that they have. They have a certain purse. They look a certain way. Their lifestyle communicates to me that they have experienced wealth or the wealth that they're trying to get me to participate in or experience. The other thing is that we can be overcome sometimes by the perception of power, particularly when we're looking into upward mobility, particularly when we are interested in climbing the ladder or being seen or having opportunities to minister or having opportunities to be credible in the eyes of other people. We can become vulnerable to people that we perceive to have power. The danger of becoming vulnerable to people who we perceive to have power is that if they are not spiritually grounded, if they do not have any spiritual God-ordained authority, even if we do benefit from our relationship with them, it will not be spiritual gain for us. Be careful about switching churches so that you can be mentored by people of high acclaim. Be careful about befriending people who you deem to be connected. Be careful when your vulnerability leads you into fellowship and covenant agreement with people who make promises based on relationships that they tell you that they have. Example, you're a gifted singer and you befriend someone who knows someone or who's attached to someone or attached to some company because you believe that that is the path to your ministerial success. That's false spiritual authority. It is a form of spiritual or it's a, a form of authority because it is earthly authority. 
it is the perception of authority. But it can be very much empty authority. So you've got to be careful of that. Every morning, or when somebody wakes up in the morning and their feet hit the floor, they move with the intention of manipulating somebody into doing something. For most of us, that's our job. I'm a communications and a brand expert. I work very hard and intensely to get people to buy into brands, products, events, etc., that will equate to some type of satisfaction or the meeting of some type of goal. That's the work that I do. So my work centers in healthy manipulation. I work to influence people to make good decisions about their education and their professional, personal, spiritual, economic future through education. But I can also misuse that authority. I can give away the impression that I have the authority to get somebody in college. I do not. Now, I might know some people out of college, but I'm not on an admissions committee. I'm not reviewing applications. I'm not, I might be able to tell you some pointers on how to do it, but a misuse of my power would be to promise you something that I cannot guarantee. Okay, so that's point number one. Don't confuse spirituality or spiritual authority with earthly influence, wealth, or power. Number two, it's the first John 4 and 1 rule. Try every spirit because there are false prophets. In other words, the scripture is telling us to have healthy skepticism, to have within us a process for authentication. I never can say that word, authentication. Have within our being a process for authentication. Authentication. A process to affirm and confirm that something is what it says that it is. That's what the Bible says in 1 John 4 and 1. Have your own process for affirming and confirming what real is. Now, my mother was telling me a couple of days ago that she had purchased some designer a designer belt, a designer something or other. And I thought it was interesting. So I said, tell me more. And she told me, oh, well, I've seen someone who may have identified as a booster who gave me these items. Well, my first question was to her, how do you know that this item that you received from the booster is real? How have you authenticated it? How are you confirmed and affirmed that the thing that you have is real? Well, I haven't. Well, since you cannot confirm that the item that you purchased from this booster is real, whether it is real or fake, you have been manipulated because you have paid a price for something without knowing its true value. That's why 1 John 
four and one says try every spirit because not every person attached to every spirit is interested in your well-being in integrity and in honesty so you need your own process for authentication and then finally i yield to matthew the 26th chapter in the 41st verse which says watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak now our contemporary uh understanding of prayer is bowed heads humble heart closed eyes but that's a posture that is impossible to pursue if you are also simultaneously watching watching requires more than the eyes it requires the ears it requires your limbs you cannot effectively watch something without the active use of all of your faculties you watch something to protect yourself from potential danger of what you might see if what you are watching becomes mobile right so matthew 26 and 41 says watch and pray to avoid temptation because your spirit is positioned to be manipulated or your flesh is positioned to be manipulated but your spirit is open and vulnerable the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so in this we learn even the value that christ puts on watching and praying it's a it, it, it's two things simultaneously happening watching and praying and testing every spirit and knowing the difference between earthly influence and power and worldly influence and power if we are overcome by man's influence we will do things that do not lead us to our full potential we will follow people that will lead us into places that we are not intended to go right so the key is to unveil or uncover the false spiritual authority that we presume that people have so we do not follow people into darkness we cannot follow people into darkness and as believers we must recognize that every day satan is on his job to manipulate us and he does not use things that we do not desire as means for manipulation he uses things that we like that we have that we adore that we care about as a means of manipulation and he starts with this prevailing spirit of manipulation that shows its ugly head in the form of false spiritual authority you can be a preacher in a three-piece suit and have false 
spiritual authority. You can be a pastor or a missionary or a mother and have false spiritual authority. Man disseminates authority and power based on its own principles and practices. Don't got nothing to do with heaven. Who's an example? David's an example. Samuel comes to Jesse's house and he says, one of your, one of your sons will be king. David is out in the field and not even invited to the party. And the Bible says that Samuel goes in and he looks around and he's presented with each of the boys and says, no, 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 no. Eventually he has to tell Jesse something ain't right here. There must be somebody that you're forgetting or neglecting to bring before me because in my spirit, I do not hear the Lord saying, this is the person that I want to be king. So somebody had to go and get David. Everybody else, all of David's other brothers had a form of spiritual authority. They had presumed authority. They had a skill set attached to what they were capable and able to do, but they were not who God chose. They were not who God chose. God chose David, and because God chose David, he uses as an example in this particular text that we cannot read a book based on its cover. We cannot make a determination about somebody's ability or anything without knowing what God's plan is for them. So God says, don't despise your young beginnings. Don't question your own authority, but try every spirit to see whether they be God because false prophets exist. That's all I got.